0: Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series called In Blank We Trust. We believe that Christians should be marked by generosity and a deep trust and obedience in God, rather than the materialism that so deeply permeates our culture. In this series, we will learn more about stewardship and trusting in God for our needs. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 8. As you're turning there, I want to very quickly tell you about this new series. We're in a new series this month, and I can guarantee you it is going to rub you the wrong way. It's going to rub you the wrong way. One time each year, the month of November, we talk about giving Not giving of your time—we talk about that all year. You can right—you hear about serving opportunities all year long, but the month of November, we're going to talk about giving money. And I'll tell you why—it is uh, we preach the whole book front to back. Now, if you're visiting with us online, uh, if you're visiting with us in person, before you check out and say, "Oh, here we go," another church preaching about giving. We don't preach about uh, money all year long, specifically, specifically because our culture is so sensitive around it. Can I be honest with you? First, let me let me clear up some things. This morning, I am speaking to Christians. Christians, if you follow Christ, I'm speaking. To you, these principles apply to you. If you are not a Christian today, these principles should mark the Christians in your life. This is what you should expect. Um, if you are not a Christian or you're visiting, I'm not taking up an offering. I'm not trying to get a new car. Okay, there's none of that weird, crazy stuff going on. We don't need to build a building. We're still trying to fill this one. And we are trying, but I'm speaking to Christians and there is a, there's a thorn. Have you ever had a thorn in your foot? Yeah, we hear Paul talk about the thorn in the side, but have you ever stepped on a thorn and then didn't realize it, but there was a pain in your foot all the time? It was just annoying. Um, This is how Christians act around finances. This is how Christians act around money. And people resent teaching on money and generosity. They resent it, and I'll tell you why. They resent it because it confronts the materialistic ways in your heart. The reason you don't like to talk about money is because money may actually be your God. So if you get real sensitive around money today, I would check your heart. I look forward to and I dread this sermon series every year. But I would be an unfaithful communicator of God's word if I did not tell you that God is after more than your money. He is after your trust and obedience. And that includes your money. Because some of you will give up your time all day long. You'll volunteer. You'll come stuff backpacks. You'll show up here to do all kinds of things. You'll decorate your trunk for trunk or treat. But when it comes time to your money, you will not honor God. In fact, I will tell who your gods are if I check your banking account. And some of you, it's Popeye's. Some of you, it's clothes. But let me tell you something. The biggest God in Western Christianity oftentimes is not God. It is money. And there is a gospel out there that will tell you that if you serve God right, then you'll get more money. And that is wrong. What we are talking about today is trusting God. And over the next four weeks, trusting and obeying God, not just with everything else that we'll let him have, but with all of us, including our finances. Some of you might say this morning, Pastor, but you don't understand. I have bills. No, you have choices. You have choices. Now, I grew up with a single mother. And so I understand very clearly what it's like, and my mom will tell you too, to hit financially hard times and have nothing and see the Lord sustain us even when we can't give to him. But far and wide... 99% 99% of the time, you will spend money on what you want and where your desires are and say that the Bible applies to everything else in my life except my bank account. Oh, I've got to, I've got to figure out an exit strategy for today. I can feel the glares. I can feel it in the room. So, so I've got to get through this. I'm still promoing the series, and I haven't gotten to the message yet. So, so a couple of the things that are going to streamline through the whole series are, are a couple thoughts. One of them is this. Um, what you give to God is God's. What you keep is still God's. Some of you act like, oh, look how generous. God, you should be grateful for my 10% if you give that. And then you act. You treat your house. You treat your uh, investments. You treat everything else tangible in your life as if that's yours and you work for it. I can tell you. Oh, I'm going to preach this morning. I'm going to tell you today from Scripture that... Most of you trust in yourself more than you trust in God. And I'm here also to say that if you have it, God gave it to you. Scripture would declare, Psalms 24, that all the earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof. If you have it, it's because he gave it to you. And so as we enter the next four weeks, today we're going to talk about in our series is called in blank we trust. So for 4 weeks we're going to talk about this week in me I trust. Next week we're going to talk about insecurity I trust. We're going to see what you're trusting. In week number 3 we're going to talk about in quantity I trust. So if I have enough then I'll give If, I, if, I'm, if, me, if I'm safe, then I'll give what's left over, and, and then the last week we'll talk about, in God, I trust. It's written on the bill. Did you know that? And kids, I'm going to need your help this morning as well. So um, as we go through the scripture, I'm going to use some of you, and maybe some adults, if you're not mad by that point. Okay. 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 <laughs> All right. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And let's read 1 through 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 8. Looking at the time. Good to go. Verse 1. I solemnly charge you. Uh, In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Verse three, for a time is coming. I want you to focus on these next two verses. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Verse five But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Verse six, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained Faithful. Last verse. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly eagerly look forward to his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. Now, today, we're talking about in me, I trust. In me, I trust. And uh, let me give you a little background on the book. You ready? Background on the text. This is a letter. Everybody say letter. Kids, kids, I need your help. How many of you have ever written a letter? Okay, good. How many of you have not written a letter? Because that's okay, too. Oh, good. Good, good, good. This is a guy writing a letter. And he's writing a letter to his friend Timothy. And t- he's writing, guess where he's writing this? He's writing it from jail. How many of you have ever been in jail? No, I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Put your hand down. A little girl said, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And so, as Paul's writing this letter to his dear friend, Timothy, who's a pastor in a local church, he's giving him some admonishment, and he sets up this whole text in courtroom language. How many of you watch court shows? Kids, how many of your parents watch court shows? Judge Judy, I know, uh-huh. Been watching them court shows. Paul, the guy writing this letter, sets it up with this courtroom scenario. He says to, to, to Timothy, he says, I solemnly urge, this word urge um, in the Greek really means charge or to testify, like testifying in a court, before a court. Who's he testifying before? He says it, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. Where's he writing this letter from? Jail. He's writing this letter from jail and declaring, he's actually declaring this letter in front of, in the presence of God in the jail. And then he says of God who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. You know Jesus is coming back. He is going to come back and there will be judgment. I know that's not a friendly term in today's culture. But everyone will pay for every idle word. They will answer for these things. Now, for the Christian, here's the gospel. You ready? For the Christian, for all of those sinful things that you would have to pay account for, Jesus Christ paid the debt. He already paid for that sin for you on the cross. If you don't know Christ today, that is the offer. He takes your sin, you take His righteousness. What an exchange! What an exchange. So he urges, he charges. This is a legal term. He's writing it from jail. And then in verse 2, he, he gives Timothy the command. You ready? All right, kids, I want you to say this after I say it. Are you ready? Preach the word. All right, good. He tells Timothy to preach the word. Be prepared, whether it's the time is favorable or not. Some of you know this verse is in season or out of season. I've heard, uh, I heard a story of a, um, a, a clergyman in the Church of England who uh, had this glorious salvation experience. Um, I think all salvation experiences are glorious, but his was especially glorious just from where the Lord brought him. And uh, so he got so fired up, he went into the local other towns where there are other churches and he starts proclaiming the gospel in the streets. And, and so some of the other clergy in the area heard him and it kind of irritated them a little bit. So they sent the bishop over to the street to say, hey, why are you preaching in other people's territory? And the clergyman looked at him and he said, I'll have you know, I only preach in two seasons. And the bishop kind of relieved says, oh, good. What seasons are you preaching in? He said in season and out of season. (laughs) He tells Timothy to be ready, whether it's going to make you look good or make you look bad whether people are going to like you for it or whether they're not going to like you for it, preach the word of God. Preach the scriptures. And then he says, patiently. Everybody say patiently. Because some of y'all preach the word, but you're hateful. Patiently, correct. Patiently, correct, rebuke. Does it stop there? No. And encourage your people with good teaching. What is Paul saying here? He's, this is a warning. This, this one through eight verses one through eight is a warning to Timothy. It's an admonishment and encouragement to Timothy to do something. Preach the word in the face of a culture where he's pastoring, where people aren't going to want to hear good teaching. Preach the word. It is not only an admonishment for Timothy, but these next two verses are a warning. A warning to the congregation. And I want to to be faithful to his word and warn you. Kids, look to the person next to you and say, warning. Thank you. Warning. 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 This is what we do on Sundays. This is what we do through, in, through small groups. And, and leaning to his word is we declare the word. And here's the warning. Look at three and four. A time's coming. I'll tell you what, let's, let's do this. We're going to work through three and four very quickly. There are three stages I see in this text to you trusting yourself over God. And can I tell you, as, as I kick open, the word of God kicks open the dark corners of your heart, I am praying that instead of being defensive this morning, you would allow the Holy Spirit to read your mail. Search me, know me. Dust out all the dark corners of your heart. There are three stages to trusting, to you shifting, to trusting yourself over God. And this has trickles into your finances. You ready? If you're ready, say ready. The first stage we see here at the beginning. For a time is coming when, here it is, people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. The first step, the first stage of you trusting yourself over God is this, you turn off your ears. Listen, listen to what, um, let me ask the kids. Hey, uh, um, Macy, come here, come here. You're in service, I don't get to do this. at you stand up here so everybody can see you actually stand up here because I forget about our folks online sometimes look Corey was looking out for me what when you're not listening and you do a good job sometimes I'm not sure I understand <laughs> <laughs> did you do that if you're not listening, what do mommy and daddy tell you to do with your ears? To um, turn them on. Say it loud. To turn them on. To turn what on? My ears. Okay. Good. Thank you. You can go sit down. <laughs> Mom and dad? Grandparent? Because some of you grandparents are raising little ones too. Some of you great grandparents, listen, how many times you have to tell your kids, turn your ears on? Do you not say that? Listen, maybe you say that. Maybe you don't say anything. Maybe it's just a swift. When I was a kid, that's what it was. I didn't get warning. I just got up from the floor. The first step to you trusting yourself over God is you turn your ears off. This is what scripture would say. Jeremiah, if I were to go through Jeremiah every time the Lord said you haven't listened. To the people of God, I wouldn't have time this morning, but listen to these few. Jeremiah 13.10, the wicked people who refuse to listen to my words, who walk in stubbornness of their hearts and have gone after other gods to serve them and bow to them, let them be just like the waistband, which is totally worthless. You know what that just said? That you turn your ears off, your hearts become stubborn, and you start serving other gods. And I wonder if I were to look at your checking account, what gods you're serving. Jeremiah 32, 33. They have turned their back to me and not their face. Though I taught them teaching again and again, they would not listen and receive instruction. Do you see what happens to the people of God? They turn <laughs> off their ears. Yet they did not Jeremiah 11:8 Yet they did not obey or incline their ear but walked each one in the stubbornness of his evil heart. What happens when you turn off your ears? You start following your own desires. Why? Because you trust you more than you trust the Lord. What does this look like? I could go to Isaiah. Listen, Isaiah 6, 9 and 10. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return. And I would heal them. There is a process that... Uh, that repeats all through this book and that people turn their ears off we become dull to the Lord we come dull to his leading and his presence and all of a sudden we cannot see or hear like he wants us to people come to my office all the time text me, call me pastor, I can't hear the Lord I can't see the Lord and they've turned their ears off to him and they wonder why Oh, please stop coming to me shocked. The Lord hasn't left you. You've turned your ears off to him. This looks like a couple things you might check out on Sunday morning. You like the music. But when it comes to the word of God, you don't want it to rub you the wrong way. Now, you wouldn't actually say that out loud, but your mind will be after service. And it's just now reminding me I was supposed to tell you to eat donuts. If you have your donuts with you, you can eat those donuts and drink your coffee. Um, some of you would rather do that than talk about your finances and the Lord right now. So that's okay. We want you to feel comfortable and soothe your convicted heart. Um, I'm sorry. That's the best I can do. i was supposed to make that announcement. There will be donuts afterwards and coffee as well. <laughs> See how you respond to that? But the minute I start talking about who's lord of your life, all of a sudden it's it's not funny anymore, is it? Yeah. Yeah, because I think more often than not, you're going to find out you're king of your heart, not the Lord, that you trust yourself more than you trust the Lord. So you stay checked out on Sundays. You take everything we do lightly. You take the things of the Lord lightly. You treat them as expendable. This is what it looks like to turn off your ears. And if I may lovingly enter this space... Some of you, Christians, again, Christians. Some of you, you'll know your ears are turning, you're turning your ears off to the Lord. When you start bucking, loving Christians coming to hold you accountable for something. I might check in on somebody and they ignore the text. Because they've been gone. I might... Um, Hey, lovingly want to to speak some scripture into your hearts, and then you don't want to hear that. You buck when loving Christians want to confront you. If that is the case, you may be turning your ears off to the Lord. Number two. So first stage is you turn off your ears. Second stage is this. I place my desires... And feelings as ultimate truth. I place my desires and feelings as ultimate truth. Look here. Verse 3 continued. They follow, they will follow their own desires. And will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Paul is saying to Timothy, hey, listen, this is why you need to preach the word. Because people are going to leave. They're going to turn their ears off. And the next step, the next stage is they are going to follow their own desires. You know what that means? That you have now placed your heart, your desires, your feelings as the ultimate truth and guiding force of your life and not the word of God. <sighs> Let me read some scriptures. And then kids, I want to talk to you. Jeremiah seventeen nine: the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? You know what this says? Your feelings will lie to you. We live in a, okay, we live in a culture that says all truth can be found in here, in me. All truth is in, it's all down here. I can dig around in there and I'm going to find just light and goldenness. I'm just going to find all truth inside me. And I've come to tell you there is nothing good inside of you except what the Lord does. There is nothing good inside of you. Some of you will leave here today and I will have to go right back to this text and say, you know what? That's because you're following your own desires. You think way more of yourself than you ought to. And then you, you trust and not the Lord. They will follow their own desires. Proverbs 14, 12 and 13. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Scripture just repeats this. Uh, Proverbs twelve fifteen: the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And then the, um, the ultimate, the one probably all of you know, but l- rarely listened to, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding But in all your ways, except your bank account, except your, except how you, there's no exceptions. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Can I be very blunt with you? Folks, you know what the number one question I get asked? You want to know what that is? How do I, people come to the pastor when there's like a, They've got to make a decision. Sometimes they come to the pastor after the decision and ask the Lord to bless their poor decision making. (laughs) Have you ever done that? I've done that. I've made some really stupid decisions and then they're like, oh, I need the Lord to bless this. No, he's not going to bless your stupidity. Um, People want to know which way to go. And they say, how do I know which way God wants me to go? And my question is not, what options do you have? My question is, are you acknowledging God in your entire life? Because if you're not acknowledging him in all things, he's not going to direct your path. That is what the verse says. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Make your path straight. Some of you wonder why your paths are so curvy. Um, today, I would tell you, it's because you've turned off your ears and you're listening to your own feelings. All right, I need to poll the kids. Poll the kids. Um, let me get a volunteer. Let's come up. Okay, Miley, you were first. I was quick. I was quick. Come up here. Pastor. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everybody, welcome Miley to the stage. If I were to have, you're a natural. If I were to give you, now please answer this right. We haven't tested any of this. This is live. You've got to answer this right. Otherwise, it messes up my whole message. If I had a donut from outside in this and your favorite donut. And then I had squash in this hand. Which one would you want? Both. At the same time? Go, go, go sit down. What are you doing? This is a disaster. Both. The right answer was donut. So then I could say, if given the option, you do not default godly. If given the option, you do not default godly in your flesh. It is by living in the spirit that we default to godly things, that we desire godly things. Um, Okay. How does that look? And then I got to close. If scripture confronts your sin, you will defer to how it makes you feel instead of his word. This is often the conversation folks have is that here's the word of the Lord. But it makes me feel this way. The word must be wrong. Because the God I serve would never make me feel this way. It is a lie from the pits of hell. And I would say also, as sanctification continues through the Holy Spirit in your life, there should not be a cease to the rub on your heart. There should not be a cease to the rub on your heart. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. How is it? This is the stages to trusting yourself over trusting God. You will turn off your ears and you will begin to place your desires and feelings as ultimate truth instead of the word of the Lord. And that whole concept that if God was the right, some of you have just created your own gods, I think. I think a lot of you have just created a God that doesn't convict you, doesn't change you, that just supports you. In your current state, your current affiliations, your current decision-making, because no one wants to be convicted. And I can say truthfully, um, it's not exactly a fun process, but I can tell you it is a God-glorifying and a growing process. Many of you will sit through church for 30, 40, 50, 60 years and will not allow the Holy Spirit to change your heart You're just going to war against it because you trust yourself more than you trust the Lord. His ways are higher than ours, and I'm thankful for that. Many of you would say, in the sense of desires and feelings, you would say, well, it doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) So surely God doesn't mean that. Well, no. No. Let me tell you, if you can fit God inside the boxes of your understanding, you're not serving the God of the Bible. Okay, let me move on. Lastly, the main thing I'm trying to get across to you today is that trusting God does not mean believing He will do what you want, trusting God means believing His Word is enough to stand on. That his word is enough and not your own calculations and your own prowess and your own understanding. But that his ways are higher than ours and, and that you can trust his word. Lastly, look at this last, last piece. Here's the last stage. Time is coming when the people will no longer... Listen to sound, wholesome teaching, stage one. Stage two, they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. I don't know if you figured it out yet, but this is not that place. Our desire here is to preach the word, not opinions, not my... um, I don't want to be a good storyteller or motivational speaker. I just want to proclaim and preach the word and then preaching the word glorify God. If I die. I want it. I I want it to be said nothing of me. I just want God to be seen we'll see what Paul says about that here in a second. Stage three starts at number four. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. So you've turned off your ears. You're following your own desires and feelings. You're rejecting any conviction from the Holy Spirit. And then number three, the end stage is you will reject the truth and you will chase shadows What do do I mean by shadows? Chasing mist, chasing shadows, meaning that you're going to chase what the world says you should chase. And what you will find is that when you chase those things, it will just be a shadow of what God is wanting. Marriage is a shadow. Did you know that? Financial success on this earth is just a, a shadow. You can't take, I just had a conversation with somebody today. You can't take it with you. You know that. You work, 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 work. Barely give anything back to the Lord because you work so hard for it. It's yours to discern, I suppose. Totally reject the idea that um, that the 10 percent belongs to God, but so does everything else. You will reject the truth and spend your entire life, if you're not careful, chasing after things. That are just shadows of what God is the source of. One more. I tell you what. Hey Jay- uh, Jason strapped in. Let me see. Okay, tell you what. Woody, I need you. <laughs> You're close enough. Come up here. Um, Elijah, come here. I'm going to use you again. This was David from a few weeks ago. (laughs) Have you ever heard of the trust fall? Turn around. (laughs) What? (laughs) Come here. Come here. Come here. Turn around. Turn around. Put your arms out. Put your arms out. Hold your arms out. Okay. No, 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 like that. <laughs> You're going to catch him. Not you, I'm talking to him. I know. I know. Put your arms out. On the count of three. One. <laughs> Two. I'm just kidding. Don't do it. <laughs> Are you nervous? Yes. <laughs> You should have been. You know why? Were you nervous? No. No. He wasn't nervous. <laughs> Bold faith. Many of us are trying to put our weight on things that will not hold. We're, we're, we're trust. Okay, you guys can sit down. Thank you. And I'm going to close. You are throwing your arms out and throwing your full trust and weight into things that do not have the strength, the size to hold you. You think if you invest just right, you think if, if you can save a big enough kitty, if you, savings account, if you, if I can just work it all out in my mind, I tell you what, Carl, you know what, these things I hear on Sunday, you know, I I like it, you know, I like the preaching, but it it really, um, many of us will leave here and just pretend like it shouldn't affect us. What are you trusting today? Stop, stop, stop. What are you trusting today? What Paul is warning Timothy about, said, listen, you need to continue to preach and teach good teaching and preach the word whether it's favorable or not but there, are, there's going to come a time when people aren't going to want to hear it they're going to turn their ears off and it's because they want to chase their own desires and eventually they're going to spend their time rejecting truth and chasing after shadows and today I believe that there are some online and here today you're just exhausted are you tired are you weary from chasing Things that they, they just don't hold up. They don't hold up. Look at how he closes at the end in verses six. He says, Paul, this is Paul in this letter. He says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death. Is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I have remained faithful. How many of you would echo that in your heart? That you, when you come to the end, your life, what would people say about you and your generosity? What would people say about you and your finances? Would people be able to say that you served God with all of it? Or you just served God with what was convenient? What did you serve God with? What did you trust Him with? And I would ask you today to stop trusting yourself and trust the Lord. With all of it. With all of it. Including the dollars and cents one thing scripture tells us that he he promises to take care of us he promises are you are you worried is that maybe that's what it is maybe you're just worried i don't carl i don't i've never done this before i've never given financially i've never tithed i've never done any of this i'm nervous about it what about all these other things You know what you're saying? You know what you're saying when you say that? That you don't trust God to take care of you. That's what you're saying. You're saying God isn't big enough. God isn't uh, strong enough to carry you. You don't trust Him. You don't trust Him. And to mask it as anything other than rebellion would be falling short. trusting God does not believe does not mean believing he will do what I want it means believing his word is enough to stand on and as I stand before this pulpit today reading his word I can can, can I just give you a testimony we closed on a house Friday okay been living with my in-laws they've been so gracious to bless us with a place to stay, we decided at the beginning of the year that we wanted to be able to give God everything. We, were, we had debt, car payments, school loans, some unsecured debt. We, we just had debt. I'm not going to ask if you have debt, but I will tell you it was hindering our ability it was hindering us. God prompted us to sell our house. We sold our house. God stepped in and gave us more. You know who I say gave us? God gave us more for our house than we bought it for just four years earlier, enough to pay off all our debt. But then we didn't have a house. <laughs> Some of you have heard me say I was homeless for the last few months. We had a home, paid off our debt, and Kirsten and I have decided this year that we're just going to give. We're just going to give, and in all of it, we're going to give of our time. We're going to give of our kids. We're going to give. We're going to serve above and beyond just being pastor. Okay, we just want to give, and that included our finances, and so we gave. And then this weekend, we closed on a house, a house that we would not have been able to afford. A house we probably wouldn't have gotten approved for. But God stepped into a situation where we were trusting and obeying God. And he responded with something that was far beyond us. And as we sat, I wish I'd put the picture up we as we moved the last boxes in a couple days ago uh, a Saturday yesterday wow it's just yesterday it's been, it feels very long this this rainbow shoots across courthouse Road the most i fi- I've never seen a rainbow And as I was preparing for the sermon today, you know what God just whispered to my spirit. He said, Carl, my promises are true. He's not after your money. I'm not about to give a pitch to have you sow a seed so you get a house. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to ask you to trust the Lord. I'm going to ask you to trust the Lord. This church has trusted the Lord with our finances. Five years ago, if that $30,000 air unit went out, we would have been in a scramble because we have trusted the Lord with our finances. You know, we give 10% of everything we get to missions. We have the money to cut a check for that. The Lord has provided. The Lord will always keep up on his promises. He will always be faithful to who he is. He's just asking that you trust him. And over the course of this series, the next few days, next few weeks, I wonder if you would do that with your finances. I want to challenge you to do it. Challenge you to tithe for the first time. Challenge you to maybe start throwing in offering. Whatever that might be. But I can assure you of this one thing, God is who He says He is. Yeah. And that's enough. That's enough. We're going to finish moving in tomorrow. And the cry of my heart is, He's enough. As opportunities continue to come, we, we just want to give more than just the bottom dollar. We want to give the Lord the way He is showered his mercy and grace on us. And I pray that your hearts through the Holy Spirit and his word would begin to change your perspective of what you have and, and and look at what you give as God's, but also is what you keep is also God's that you would do that. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we pray and get ready to worship father? Thank you for your word today that we can trust you. God, that today you are enough for me. You are enough for all of us in this room today. Your word is true. You are big enough. I can trust you. I can trust you with my time. I can trust you with my family. I can trust you with my finances. I don't want to trust in me anymore. I want to trust in you, Lord. I want to lay your word before my heart and let its implications change me from the inside out. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you work on our hearts today? We love you, and we give you praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.